Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from guest speaker Greg Gunn. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. This is a what a what a wonderful what a wonderful church. Man, I have uh, I, it's been so it's been such a privilege for me to get to know Mike and uh, I got to meet Amy yesterday. Man, I'm telling you, what a, what a, man, he really married up, didn't he? <laughs> so I'm going to start calling him Magic Mike, all right? I mean, so, like, he, he has a movie. How I, I many y'all know what I'm talking about, the movie Magic Mike? I hope you didn't see it, because it's, I don't think it's that good. But anyway, um, <laughs> you're the man. Thank you, Mike. What a, what a joy uh, to be here with you. Hey, um, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I, I grew up in Ada, Oklahoma, a little town um, in southeast Oklahoma. Um, I, uh, I started a business when I was 19. I was going to college, a financial services business, and then uh, in 1997, I had a guy um, uh, challenge me, was at, at my church, challenge me to, to go on a family goal-setting weekend and write a family vision and mission statement. And in 1997, my wife and I, Rhonda, we've been married now 32 years. Is that awesome? 32? And so, uh, the, uh, sometimes I say, we've been married uh, 15 happy years. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we have, so, so I, we went away and wrote this. God just spoke to the end of our pen. And from that, um, we started a, a ministry called Family ID. Uh, and, and the ID stands for Intentional Direction. And that, uh, that day, 1997, really started something incredible. Then in 2010, I sold my business and went full-time uh, with Family ID. So almost six years now. And I can't wait to share with you this evening, this afternoon, 4 o'clock, uh, how to write that vision and mission and value. So, uh, but what's so cool is that this sermon series that we're in right now, Life in One Chapter, is powerful. Um, but first, I want to I uh, just tell you a little bit about my family. Actually, we have seven children. Can you believe that? Seven children. And they're all boys. <laughs> Except for five of them. Uh, we actually have five girls and two boys. Now, how many of you had to wear hand-me-downs when you were growing up? Anybody have to wear hand-me-downs? So our boys are the youngest. So you can imagine them wearing... <laughs> sliding into third base, their dresses flying up. How many agree? They got a lot to overcome, all right? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We're, we're going to get them some new stuff. But I want to I show you my family. Um, in, in this picture, the tallest guy is, um, is, is my son-in-law, Hunter. He married our daughter, Hannah. They, um, they have two, we have two granddaughters now. And um, I'm just telling you, he's so sharp. And then next to him is my other son-in-law, my daughter, Esther, who's 20, just got married uh, to, to Daniel, and they're expecting a baby. They got married last Mother's Day, and they're expecting a baby. And so we're so excited for Esther. And then my second daughter, um, so my, got, my third daughter got married. I have to do, I got to pay for like five weddings. Man, I am so broke, I can't even pay attention, okay? So anyway, my, uh, my new, my new son-in-law, uh, Brett, what a stud he is. I'm telling you, these son-in-laws, they love Jesus. They just love our daughters. And, are, man, they're awesome. They have a job. Can you believe that? <laughs> a son-in-law with a job. Oh, my. It's just, it just can't get any better. I mean, 
And then uh, our daughter, uh, Leah, who's 18, my son, Josiah, who's 17, my daughter, uh, Mariah, 15, and then our youngest is Jacob, and he's 13. So you guys got to give me a hand for, for knowing all that. Oh my gosh, that's hard. All their names, I got their ages, and they change every year. That is tough, okay? So... You know, um, today, the, 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 this, this particular sermon series on Proverbs chapter 3 truly, truly has all of, almost like 90% of your life uh, can, be, can be summed up in this, in this chapter. It's unbelievable, the wisdom, the powerful wisdom that is in, uh, in this. And so, this chapter was written almost 3,000 years ago, 3,000 years, and it's probably as, as pertinent today as it ever was 3,000 years ago. And it just, God's wisdom is timeless, right? So let me just read this to you, the power of God's wisdom. It says, uh, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing you, nothing you could desire could compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. Her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge... The watery depths were divided, and the clouds let drop their dew. Today, I'm going to talk about this incredible, priceless wisdom that God has for us when it comes to our family, okay? I believe God's calling on the family is so important. Think about the Bible. How much of the Bible is written in the language of family? God could have, could have asked us to call him the intergalactic dictator, right? Or boss, or coach, right? He could have used any, any number of ways to refer to himself, but he wanted us to call him our father. He wanted us to be considered his children. He wanted Jesus to be considered our brother. I mean, we are the, we are the bride and he is the groom. Look at the power-packed amount of language the Bible is written in the language of family. You know, I believe God ordained that the family be the foundation of all of his plan for mankind. I really believe that. I mean, think about it. Think about how Jesus could have come to the earth. The king of the universe could have come to the earth on 10,000 tornadoes. How many know that would have been a grand entrance if the king of the universe, I mean, that would be unbelievable, right? You know, and I'm from Oklahoma, and how many know Oklahoma, we know what tornadoes look like. Am I right? And we know what thunder sounds like. Russell Westbrook. Y'all know what I'm saying? I'm talking about Kevin Durant. You know what I'm saying? We, we understand some thunder, don't we? <laughs> you guys got the Houston Rockets, and, you know, they, they need some help. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, I love Russell Westbrook. He, he, like, he plays angry. You know what I mean? I had a buddy of mine said, Greg, uh, you know, the stuff you do when you're angry, I mean, if you, if you do, do it right, then you, you can, like, do it better. I thought, I'm going to preach angry. <laughs> All right, anyway. Um, so, the, 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 um, so, so I, I can tell you that the family was God's game plan. It was his plan. 
Think, think about it. He came to the earth, not, not on 10,000 tornadoes. He came to the earth through a family. The salvation of all mankind came to the earth through a family. Isn't that something? We're all to be known as brothers and sisters, right? Isn't that powerful? So, I really honestly, so I, 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 our pastor, Craig Rochelle in Oklahoma City, he did, a, he did a sermon series on bold prayer. And here's what he asked. He said, if God were to answer your boldest prayer from last week, would it have included the redemption of all mankind? <laughs> no, I wasn't praying for the redemption of all mankind last week. I was praying for like tires for my car, you know, something really urgent, right? And I thought, man, my prayers are so weak. You know, I pray stuff like, Lord, bless us today. Is that, is that, is that all I got? <laughs> bless us today? He said, Greg, we ought to be praying for the redemption, the salvation of all mankind. I thought, man, it just kind of ruined me. I, Dude, I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start praying for the redemption, the salvation of all mankind. So I've been praying for it for about six months. And then God opened a door for us to get to take family ID ministry to India. I'm telling you, the continent of India is unbelievable. I started studying it. I went to Wikipedia and pulled it up and read all about India. Come to find out, Thomas the Apostle. Y'all know Doubting Thomas? Y'all hear him, right? Look, I'm gonna have, you guys are going to have to raise your hand a few times just to let me know you're in the game, all right? All right, good. Yeah, y'all know who Thomas is? Yeah. Thomas was, they think, the only apostle to go outside the Roman Empire on a missionary journey. And he went to southern India. And he planted seven churches, led 17,000 people to Christ, and then he was martyred after 20 years of ministry in southern India. Isn't that awesome? There are people in southern India who call themselves Ma Tomas. I told the guy that I went over there with, I said, look, can you take me to the place where those churches were originally founded by, by Thomas? He did. He took me there, and I met people who said, our great-great-great-grandparents were led to Christ by Thomas. Maybe the only place in the world where people can, can trace their lintage back to apostles, right? Isn't that great? So I'm over there in India, and I'm so excited. I come home, um, and, and I've been home about a month, and I've been praying for the salvation of all mankind. And at 10.30 one night, I just felt led to to, to get my laptop and set it up in the bed, and I was sitting there typing on my laptop, just journaling. I just felt like I needed to journal. And guys, the Lord came down and gave me this download from heaven. He, he I'm serious. I was typing 10.30. At 6.30 the next morning, I quit typing. I typed for eight straight hours. No break. I mean, it felt like I'd been there 10 minutes, 30 minutes. I mean, boy, I read this thing, and it was truly God's revelation. I'm going to share with you today what God revealed to me about his plan for the redemption of all mankind. And it, goes, it starts with Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all the nations. I just want you to circle that word, go. Look in, in your notes, circle that. Go. Now, see, when I thought of the word go, I thought go meant leave. Leave wherever you are and go make disciples somewhere other than where you are. How many think that probably isn't it? <laughs> or jump. How many you know when I was going to go and do, a, do, a, do a, a, a missionary trip, 
I would jump from my home to another continent or another city and I would do missionary work and then jump back, right? But you know what? That word go is better translated while you are going. While you're going. Now, what is it that humans do worldwide? Found out they do it in the United States. They do it in every country in the world. Every family in the world does family in some form. Y'all know what I'm saying? They have a family. They were part of a family. They grew up in a family. They had family, right? We, well, we all do family. We do family dinner. We do Thanksgiving. We do Christmas. We do family stuff, right? Anniversaries, birthday parties, on and on. How many agree everybody does family all around the world, right? Okay. We also do work. How many know everybody in the world does some kind of work and people get educated? Those three things. Here's what Jesus said. While you're doing those things, make disciples. I said, Lord, what was your plan? I mean, when did you expect us to get that done? Make disciples of all nations. Now, what do we think of as a nation? China, Russia. I mean, you know, those, that's a nation, right? It's better translated, make disciples of all nationalities. How many nationalities are there, right? We're supposed to make disciples of every nationality, right? That's, that's, that's what his game plan was. Now, I thought, well, Lord, did you expect us to get that done like in 3,000 years? And we're just 2,000 years in to the 3,000-year plan? You know what? The Lord revealed to me. I took the first Christians who came to Christ at Pentecost. There were 3,000 people who, were, who came to Christ in one day. They could speak all the languages of the Roman Empire. Those people all went back to where they lived after the, after the day of Pentecost. They went back home. Let's say there were 3,000 believing Christian families now that had the Holy Spirit in them. If each of those families just discipled three children who grew up to have three children, in one generation there would now be 9,000 believing families. The next generation there would be 27,000 believing families. Did you know in less than, four, less than 500 years, every person on the earth would be Christian? If they just discipled their own children. Now, would anyone think by discipling my children, I would end up discipling the nations? Would they even think that? No, I'm just discipling my children. I'm with them. I'm with my grandchildren. I'm with them all the time. I don't see myself making a disciple of all the nations by discipling my own family. They just didn't see it like that. But how many of you here have a family member that lives outside of the United States. They live in another country. Y'all have a family member, some, a cousin, a aunt or an uncle. They live outside of it, right? Think, look, look around. Look around. How many? How many of y'all have ever worked in a city or a country outside of the United States? You've worked. Look around the room. Look at all the people that have worked. So while you're doing family, going and seeing your family, while you're working, make disciples. You see how all the nations could get disciples? Just in this room, there are hundreds of people who've been at another country. Y'all see that? While you are going, make disciples. That was his game plan. But I believe Satan got with his, when, when those 3,000 people came to Christ, Satan had a council meeting. He called a huddle. He got all of his imps and demons together and said, look, we had no idea when Jesus was, died. We thought we won the game when he died. But he rose from the dead. Now he's inside 3,000 people. <laughs> We're in trouble. If this thing multiplies, how I many you know Satan understands multiplication? He knows that the earth's going to 
the people are going to multiply, right? With no training manual. How many of you have multiplied without any training manual? <laughs> we, just, we just do it, right? I had someone say, Greg, have you got figured out what's causing the fact that you have seven children? I said, yeah, I think I've got it narrowed down to two things. And if what I think it is, I'm not stopping now. <laughs> he left me alone. Okay. All right. So see, Satan knows this thing of multiplication. And if this thing multiplies, his game plan is done. He is cooked. All right. So here's what he had to do. He had to come up with three things that would stop us as believers from multiplying into every generation. Okay. So write this in your notes. Okay. The three things that can stop this multiplication when we should have become a Christian, all nations would be Christian if we just were to multiply in 500 years, okay? Here's what he did to stop that. We're now 2,000 years in. First thing he had to do is for us not to see your family as your first and most important disciples. See, if he could just get you to see that it's all the other people on the earth that you need to be focused on. You know, a good shepherd had a hundred sheep, and one of them got lost. I mean, you know, you, you don't even want one of them to get lost, right? And so, he will, the good shepherd will leave the 99 and go find the one. But you know what we've done as Christians? You know what we as businessmen have done? We as pastors have done? We have focused, the needs of the 99 are so great that we put all of our focus on the 99 and we neglect the one which is our marriage and our family, our children. How many of y'all see that? How many of y'all see that? That's true, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Aren't the needs of the 99 so great? I mean, aren't they just, whew, they could drain you dry, right? And it would be so easy to neglect the one, our family, our children, our, our, our grandchildren. Y'all see that? See, if Satan could just get us to think that somehow that we just need to get focused on the 99, and neglect the one, he could stop multiplication. Think about that. God's calling us back to his original plan, all right? Number two, the second thing the enemy had to do to put a stop to this multiplication thing is to, not, is, is to get us to not helping our children and grandchildren discover who they're supposed to marry. Put that in your notes. See, if the enemy could just get us to fumble when it comes to helping our children and grandchildren figure out who they're supposed to marry, he can stop this multiplication deal in its tracks, okay? I want you to think about this. What does who you marry impact? Just everything. Am I right? And think about that. From what you think about all day to what you think about when you're going to sleep and what you dream about all night, right? Is your, is who, does who you marry affect your spiritual life? Let me ask you that. So you could say who you marry is one, if not the most important decision you could ever make, because it affects everything. Am I right? And just get, look, look, what the enemy could do to get us to fumble. You know, when I was 19, I just broke up with this girl. I was brokenhearted. So I went to my mama. I didn't want to go to dad. I didn't think he'd know. So I went to mom. I said, mom. How will I know when I've met the right one for me? She said, honey, I'm so glad you asked me that. I've been waiting for you. I just knew if I tried to tell you how you were going to find that, that one for you, then you just wouldn't even listen. But man, now that the, the student is ready, the teacher has appeared. 
I said, oh, I grabbed my little notepad. I said, okay, mom, how will I know when I'm at the right one for me? She said, honey, you'll just know. <laughs> slow down, slow down. Is, is that all we got? Honey, you'll just know. Hey, I was at the swimming pool today, mom, and I saw this girl. <laughs> I think I know. <laughs> Look, I, I'm 19. I don't know come here from Sikkim. I, I got barely half a brain in one eye. How am I supposed to know, right? That's all we got. How many of y'all got less than that? How many of you got less than that from your family to help you figure out who you were supposed to marry? Dude, we got, God, look, hey, we got to start praying. Hey, in India, what do they do to help their children discover who they're supposed to marry? What do they do? Arrange the marriage. Let's call that the most you can do, all right? <laughs> Let's call it that. That's, that's, that's our here. And guess where we are? Honey, you'll just know. That's all. I asked God, I said, God, would you show me what's right, right under that? Because we're not going to do the arranged deal, right? We're just not. Okay, so what's that? Here's what he showed me. Greg, I want you to start praying for all of your children's future spouses and their parents' marriage. I want you to start praying for their marriage. Hmm? Hmm? I want you to start praying for the grandparents, that those grandparents will use all of their influence. You know, grandparents, you got more influence in your little finger than mom and dad got in their whole body. And if I hear another godly grandparent say this, my job is to spoil the grandkids and send them home. I'm going to hurt somebody if I hear that one more time. <laughs> you have got to be kidding, godly grandparent. My gosh, grandparent. Grandparent is a do-over. My grandchildren have no idea I used to be an idiot. They don't. They've not seen a single mistake. Any of that. They hadn't. I'm really pretty good. My dad is a totally different guy to my, grand, to my children than he was to me. My dad was tired all the time. He worked all the time. He was like angry. I never seen him do that one time to the grandkids. Y'all know that? What? Who took my dad and put this guy in there? <laughs> See, grandparents, you grandparents, you ought to go crazy on discipling your grandkids. Lord have mercy. Your influence is too gigantic. You know what we've done? We now pray with our children at night. When we tuck them in, I say to my 13-year-old, honey, I want you to pray for your future spouse. You ought to hear my little Jacob. God, if I just pray for that girl, I don't know where she is right now. She's somewhere on the earth. I pray for her mom and dad. Strengthen their marriage. Cause them to be focused on raising her as a, in, in church and, and, and to know God and to pray over her. He prays for, I say, you need to pray for her best friend. How many of y'all know we need to be praying for the best friend of the girl or boy that's going to marry into your family? Am I right? Right? We need to be praying for that person's siblings, that her siblings are kind to her and love her and build her up. Y'all right? So that peer pressure means nothing. How many of y'all want to pray that peer pressure won't be on any of your, right? Am I right? How many of y'all, we got a lot to be praying for. Am I right? See, what's right up? What's right under? What's right under? Arrange the marriage. It's let God arrange the marriage. 
Well, I can't wait for y'all to come this afternoon. We're going to talk about how, how you actually do that. What are some things we can be doing for our children and grandchildren to help them discover one of the most important decisions in their life, who they're going to marry? Look, look, look at number three. Number three. Allowing, not, not helping our children. Look, at the, this is what Satan, this is what his group got together and said, if we can do this, if we can do this number three thing, I'm telling you, We'll stop this multiplication in its tracks. It'll take Christians three or 4,000 years to get everybody saved. I mean, we don't want to take that long. Do you agree with that? We want the Lord to come back soon, right? Well, guess what? Here's what he had to do. Number three, allow, get us to allow unresolved conflict among siblings and extended family. Write that down. See, the enemy knew if he could stop this multiplication thing, if we could just get our kids and get us to be at odds with our, with our family members and hurt each other's feelings and drive each other outside of the family to get their needs met. You know, I, I grew up in a family. I had an older sister and two younger brothers. I was the oldest of three boys. And you, I'm just telling you, I hurt my siblings. I did. I had a little brother that wet the bed until he was 12. What do you have to do to totally destroy the self-image of a little boy, a 12-year-old boy? Just tell his friends. Just laugh at him. Huh? I'm a Christian. I go to church every Sunday. I pray at every meal. My mom and dad taught me about Jesus. And I was destroying my little brother, hurting him. Drove him out of the family. I drove him to his friends. You know who would accept you know, who, who will accept any kid in school? Who will accept any kid at school? What group? What group of kids? The gangs. The kids that do drugs. Am I right? When I was growing up, we called them the thugs. The thugs would, t- would, take, would, would just take anybody. Y'all see what I'm saying? You know why peer pressure is almost insurmountable for our children and grandchildren? It's because we've driven them off the team. See, my little brother wanted to be on my team so bad, it bordered on an obsession. He worshiped the ground I walked on. And I wouldn't accept him for nothing. I wouldn't build him up for nothing. I wouldn't tell him he looked good or sharp or smart or he could run fast or jump high. Would never give that to him. He needed it so bad. Some of y'all have a sibling today that's far away from you. And far away from God. Am I right? Am I right? I believe God is asking, calling us to heal those relationships. See, we've got to put a stop to unresolved sibling conflict. We've got to put a stop to it. It's breaking, it's destroying our families. And only you, mom and dad, only you, grandpa, grandma, only you can, put, can pass the law that says we're going to treat each other better than our best friend. In this house, in this family, we're going to treat, not just our children treat each other, but me as a husband, I'm going to treat my wife, my wife's going to treat her husband better than her best customer. I mean, how about just better than your worst customer? How many of y'all have ever had a customer who was an idiot? I mean, grade A certified idiot. And how do y'all treat them? So good to see you. Oh, how's your day today? Can I help you? Can I help you? Right? Now look, if we can treat 
an idiot like that, how much better should we be able to treat our own spouse? How many of y'all see that? How many of y'all are smelling what I'm stepping in? Are y'all getting this? Look, this is stronger than 40 acres of garlic. How many know that's strong, right? This is strong. I'm, I'm preaching to you good, right? Someone say amen. 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 See, I, I honestly, I believe God is calling us to a whole new level. We have got to put a stop to the unresolved sibling conflict in our, in, our, in our land. He's calling you as a family to lay the foundations for many godly generations. What if the Lord were to tarry another 200 years? Now look, I'm wanting him to come back tonight. I really am. I want him to come back tonight. But if he tarries another 200 years, what are your great-great-grandchildren going to be busy about? What kind of family vision are you going to leave? What kind of legacy are you going to pass to every generation of your family? I believe God's calling our families to this whole new way of thinking. See, I believe Satan came up with the game plan to get us not to see our family as our first and most important ministry, our first and most important disciples. Not our only. How many of y'all know you need to be in lots of other ministry and, and you need to disciple more? Than just your, but you need to see your family as your first and most important. Y'all see that? See, I, I, number two, he, he, he said, if we could just get us to fumble when it comes to helping our children and grandchildren figure out who they're supposed to marry, see, then he could, he could stop this multiplication thing. And then if he could get us just to be mean to each other, just get us to hurt each other in our family. I mean, think about this. Think about this. Have y'all ever heard this? We, we, we end up hurting those we love the most. Have you ever heard that? Is that the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life? Are you kidding me? Who, who, brought, who thought that big old fat lie up? We end up hurting those we love the most? Are you kidding? We should love the ones we love the most. Am I right? That's not an excuse. Oh, well, Greg, our kids really do love each other. I mean, they are mean to each other and stuff, but they really do love each other. Is that... Look, look at this scripture. Look at this scripture. It says 1 John 4. 1 John 4, verse 20. What's it say? Whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. So when I stepped over the wounded bodies of my siblings who I had verbally hurt them, and I went off to my youth group to worship the Lord, Oh, glory to God. What, what did God have to say? What does that scripture say about that worship. What did he say when I worship? You're a liar, Greg. Because if you can't love a brother who you can see, how in the world will you ever love a God who you cannot see? Is that right? I believe God is calling us to a family vision. God has called us to write the vision. Look at your notes there. We are called to write the vision. You know, there's a scripture that says, where there is no vision, the people, what? Perish. And where there is no family vision, the family perishes. Let's look at the scripture in Habakkuk 2, 2, and 3. It says, the Lord gave me this answer. He said, write down clearly on tablets what I reveal to you. Put, underline that. Write down clearly. Put it in writing because it's not yet time for it to come true. But the time is coming quickly and what I show you will come true. It may seem, okay, underline that. Put it in writing. See that? 
But the time is coming quickly, and what I show you will come true. Underline that. It may seem slow in coming, but wait for it. It will certainly take place, and it will not be delayed. I believe God is saying to this, this people here, the people in this community, in this church, if you, I will give you anything you want when it comes to your family. You just got to put it in writing. I want you to look at this. If, if your vision, well, what does that scripture say? That, that scripture says what? If you write it down, what will happen? It will come true. So if your vision is biblical and from God, there's what percent chance it's going to come to pass? Man, all I've ever wanted is 100% chance, right? I believe God is saying to this group that if you'll write the vision and pass the vision to every generation of your family, how many of you wished you had a family vision and mission statement and core values that your great-grandparents had, had and they sent it to you? Would y'all, y'all just cherish that as the most valuable thing you own? I'm going to help you write that document so that you can be the great-grandparents one day, and you're going to pass this vision to every generation. Now, there's some of you here who say, Greg, I'm single. I don't need to come to this family ID thing. I mean, that's for, like, family. Look, if you're a, if you're a girl... And if you wrote a family vision statement, you're a single girl, you wrote a family vision statement and a mission statement and core values, you become a dude magnet for the right kind of dude. I mean, you would repel the wrong kind of dude. Am I right? You showed them your family vision statement. Oh, that, that, the wrong kind of guy run like crazy, right? The right kind of guy goes, oh my gosh, this girl is flat, got something going on. Woo, right? Hey guys, single guys, You want to be a chick magnet for the right kind of chick? You have a family vision statement. You show a girl a family vision statement and a mission, she says, you know what? Most of the guys I meet are about as deep as a piece of paper. I mean, how deep is that? Right? Well, you got a family. You're going to be a chick magnet for the right kind of chick. You'll you'll repel the wrong kind of right kind. Hey, some of you say, Greg, my kids are already grown. They're all grown up. Um, I guess I already missed this. No, guys. Your children need you now. I mean, when you're seven years old, you can't mess up very much. But boy, you can mess up a bunch when you're 25. Am I right? Am I right? So for those of you who think, well, we're kind of done. You ain't even gotten close to done. Am I right? So I'm telling you, grandparents, grandparents, I'm telling you, you've got to come and work on writing this vision and mission and values. I'm telling you, Proverbs chapter 3 has this powerful wisdom. And I want to pray over each one of you in this powerful series. Father, I just lift up these, your precious ones, these mighty men and women of valor that you've ordained for salvation to come to this generation and to this community through their families, through their children and grandchildren, through their nieces and nephews. There's so many, there's aunts and uncles sitting in this room that could have such great influence if they just became intentional on their, on their nieces and their nephews, their grandchildren, godly grandparents. Father, speak to these godly grandparents today. Say, look, we've got to get on the stick. We've got to get after this thing. We've got to get focused. Lord, I pray for this great victory now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app, for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.